Thanks so much for joining us for the New Life Rabina podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planning and leading thriving local churches. You've joined us for our Advent series. Advent is not merely a time where we celebrate Christmas and the birth of Christ, but rather a moment where we eagerly anticipate the return of our King. This series aims to use the Old Testament prophecies to remind us of the good news of not only Jesus' birth, but His reign and the moment He'll come again. To find out more about our Christmas services, head to church.nu forward slash Christmas. But for now, enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. How are we? Yeah, fantastic. That's about what we expected. How do you top Fiona Gregory doing announcements? That is one thing. It's like blowing up a balloon and just letting it go and just thinking, where is this going to end up? But it's entertaining, isn't it? Hey, it's good to be in church this morning. Um, Who's enjoying the sound of the thunder and hoping we get a little bit of rain? Yep, fantastic. Three people. Who doesn't like the thunder and lightning? It's okay. You're safe in here. It's good. We're all good. Well, um, yeah, wherever you find yourself this morning, just want to say a massive welcome Um, If you're here with us in the room or if you're joining us online, I want to say a massive welcome. Um, My name's Jason. If I haven't met you before, I'm one of the pastors here. I actually helped run Alpha at our church. So that story of Baz is like the story of so many people where we just see lives transformed. Baz is actually up the back there. He'll love that. I'm getting a bit of a shout out. He gave me a wave. Um, Last week after the video got launched, Baz said he went out there and he did autographs for everyone. So... (laughs) Um, but no, it's, it's our pleasure to, um, to have you here this morning. We just want to say a massive welcome. Um, before we start, I'd just love it if we could pray. So Lord, we, uh, we thank you for this morning, God, whether we find ourselves in the room or we're online, Lord, wherever we're joining in from this morning, God, we just want to pray that this morning, God, may we draw closer to you, Lord. May you breathe life into our lungs. Lord, may you remind us of what the true message of Christmas is. Lord, I just pray that as we just... Yeah, God, get to put down all of our distractions, all the things that might be running through our head in the last little rush before Christmas, Lord. I just pray that we can lay them aside for the next little bit. We can just be present with you and be present with one another and I'm in tune with what you're saying. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So I want to start by asking a question, real easy question for you to answer, but what makes you happy? A nice, easy question to start with. But just think about things in your, in your daily or your weekly routine, things that make you happy. For some people, it might be the idea of leaving the house in the morning, sitting in a cafe and getting some peace and quiet in the morning. That might be some people. Some people are a little bit weird. They like reading books. All power to you. I don't get it. I don't find that relaxing. And I don't, it doesn't really make me that happy. But good on you. God loves you, which is really good. Other people are movie buffs. You're more speaking my language. You know, there might be people who enjoy music. You know, you put on a song or you listen to an album and it just takes you to a happy place. Like, I don't know, might be How to Make Gravy, the greatest Christmas song ever written by Paul Kelly. That's right. It's a Christmas song. We're going for it. That's, I just thought I'll just answer Fiona and Anna's question around my favourite Christmas song. For um, other people, it might be just recreational things, things that make you happy, things that you get to do. You know, we, we, we talk about this. What makes you happy? It's a good question to ask. And it's a good thing for us to think about. But as we lead into Christmas, and spoiler alert, Christmas is tomorrow. For those people who maybe have forgotten to buy presents, you've got permission to start shopping online now. But 
But Christmas is tomorrow. And for a lot of people, the thought and the idea of happiness around Christmas is like, Jason, have you met me? I have spent hundreds of dollars on fertiliser to make sure my lawn is green, only it washed away by this rain. The windows had to be cleaned. I had to clean the shed. Like, how am I meant to be happy? For some of you, the idea of catering for the extended family because you know your nephew broke up with his girlfriend who was a vegan, then he was a vegan for like a month and now you don't know whether to ask me if he still is a vegan. And you're kind of like, how am I meant to have happiness? How am I meant to find happiness at Christmas? That's a totally hypothetical one. If there is any vegans in the room or you're dating a vegan, hey, you are welcome here and we love having you here. It's just a hypothetical one to get us thinking that sometimes Christmas can be a little bit stressful. And sometimes this idea of happiness can actually be a little foreign around the Christmas time. But I want to ask you if you know, you're sitting at the end of the Christmas season, you know, whatever day it is where everything's all finished and everything's all done, you sit there on the couch, what, what would make you happy? You know, if you would actually say, hey, Christmas this year was a success, how would you mark that? What would make you happy if you look back on the Christmas year? Maybe it is full stomachs. You're like, hey, everyone's, oh, it was good. Everyone was filled with food. Everyone left, you know, rolling out the door. It was just a win. You know, maybe the family didn't have blues this year. You know, it was like you just strategically placed everyone around the table well enough so that, you know, there was no grenades thrown. Or, you know, maybe for you, the, 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 the happiness of Christmas was maybe for the first year in history, your family just enjoyed backyard cricket and it didn't get too competitive. I don't know what it might look like for you, but what, what would it look like this Christmas for you to be happy? You see, it's interesting. I think in the, in the world that we live in and the conversations that we all at times unknowingly have, I think sometimes we confuse happiness and joy. We actually think that in some way these two words are kind of married together. But I think that if we actually dig a little deeper and pull back the layers, we actually have to understand that happiness is really based on circumstances. Happiness is based on circumstances, you know, like there's no arguments in cricket or the family goes well or whatever it is. However you think about it, I had my coffee, I was happy. It's based on a circumstance. It's got conditions wrapped around it. But when we speak about joy and this idea of joy, it's important for us to know that joy is an unconditional thing. There's no conditions around joy. And and it's actually been pushed to the point where people say that joy is actually a relationship. For you to embrace the full understanding of what joy looks like and to fully understand, you must understand that it's more like a relationship. So I'll say that again. So happiness is based on conditions and it's based on our circumstances where joy is based on a relationship and it's unconditional. Charles Stanley says this quote, he says, joy is not natural, it's supernatural. Joy is not natural, it's supernatural. And I love that statement. I love the way that Charles Stanley, when he was speaking about joy some years ago, he sort of, he pushed this challenge and he stretched our thinking a little bit to make us, under, make us question, what is our understanding of joy? To stretch it a little further and pull them a little further apart. When we look at joy and we understand that joy is actually supernatural. There's something not natural about a posture of joy. And what I want to do this morning is I want to explore the life of someone in the Bible who I think we can see emulates this joy that we read about and this this joy that we can anticipate this Christmas season. I think there's no better life than that of the life of Paul or as he was formerly known, Saul. And so in the book of Acts, 
we read about this guy named Saul. Now Saul, I'm going to put on like my, my PG hat here, he was a nasty pasty. His job was to make sure that the Christians knew that they were worshipping the wrong king. If you're an adult, let your imagination run wild. But that's kind of like the PG version of what Saul's purpose in life was. And he went around just running amok, making sure that Christians' lives were really, really difficult. He made their life torturous. But then one day on the road to Damascus, as Saul is going on this journey, probably on his way to go and torture more Christians, he has this radical encounter with Christ. It says in the Bible, you can look all of this up in the book of Acts. It says that he was greeted by this bright light, this blinding light. And Saul freaks out in this moment. He's like, yo, what is going on? And Jesus is like, it's me. Jesus, you know the one that you know you've been beating people up for saying my name? It's me. And he's saying, Saul, stop what you're doing. Stop persecuting the Christians. Stop torturing the Christians. And it's this moment where Saul, actually they say in the Bible, he's got scales on his eyes and he can no longer see. So he's blinded. And then he goes to Damascus and people walk him there. He doesn't eat or drink for three days. To be honest, he's probably very, very freaked out about what the heck just went on. But he's there, he finds himself in Damascus. And you've got to remember, Saul had a reputation. Like he was, he was known as one of those people that if you're a Christian, you didn't want to be near him. And in the book of Acts, we read about this guy named Ananias. And I kind of relate to Ananias' first response because God says to Ananias, hey, I want you to go and pray for Saul. And his first response is, not that guy. Like, I'm not going anywhere near him. And I, you know, I resonate with that quite a bit because sometimes God prompts me to do things. I'm like, nah, not that one, not that person. But then God says, no, 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 Ananias, I want you to go and pray for Saul. Go and lay hands on this man named Saul. And so he walks over, lays hands on Saul. The scales are ripped off his eyes. Then Paul changes his name from Saul to Paul. And then this radical life is birthed. This deep understanding of what a joy in the Lord comes to fruition. Because we see a guy named Paul go from being the one that was being the bully to the one that was being bullied, if we want to look at it like that. He went, he got persecuted, he went into jail. He went to jail so many times, it's kind of a little bit comical as you read through the Scriptures. He's like, I'm in jail again, I'm in jail again. But you read and here's a guy who in the midst of what the eyes, what the world would look at through their eyes and say, this makes no sense. You should be a sour apple, you shouldn't be happy. Your life is counting for nothing. And he's going, I consider this joy. This is amazing. Here I am in prison. And you read through the book of Acts, you read stories of how Paul is sitting in prison. The walls fall down around him. He's like, nah, I'm not escaping yet. There's still people that need to be saved in here. He's a nutcase, but he loves it. There's this joy that he has that he goes, I've found this joy in the Lord that I want everyone to experience. There's another story, another prison break in the book of Acts. In Acts 16, it's wild. He's singing songs of praise and worship in this prison. We've got to remember, this prison was in the Middle East. So it was either stinking hot or freezing cold. Like that enough would set me off, if I'm just being honest. Like if it's not a you know, perfect 24, I'm a pretty grouchy person. So here's Paul in this prison singing praise and worship, probably freezing cold in the middle of the night, singing songs of praise, the walls of the prison break down and once again, he has this opportunity to book it and hightail it out. But he has so much joy and hope in the Lord and he sees the value in sharing the gospel that what does he do? He gets the guards that he's escaped from and goes, I'm gonna go back to your house and pray for all your families and lead them to the Lord. 
See, this life was a life that was marked by joy. You see, when we look at it, that is not a natural response. In that moment, for someone to be tortured, to be tormented, to to have everything taken away from them that the world would consider good, everything that the world would consider just rich and good and life-giving, to have all of that taken away, and yet he considers it joy. Why? Because joy, joy is supernatural. The deepest experience, the deepest feeling of joy that we can possibly have is that that we can find in Jesus. We can spend our days pursuing happiness. And I've got to be honest, there is nothing wrong with being happy. I love being happy. It's my favourite emotion. But if all I ever do is just pursue happiness and all it's going to take is for the coffee to run out, the movie to end, the song to finish, where does my happiness go? If I actually learn to plumb to deeper depths and actually find this inner joy that we read about in the Scriptures. See, think about the story, the true Christmas story. What actually takes place in that story is amazing. Because that's what Paul turned his life on. He said, that's actually what I want to put my life into. I want to commit my life to following this person. You see, in the Old Testament, we read of prophecies where people wrote down, hey, God's telling me this. I get this sense that this is going to happen. They would write down things about the arrival of the Messiah. And so for hundreds of years, people were sitting in anticipation going, when's the Messiah going to come? When's he coming? What's he going to look like? What's this going to be? There's all this anticipation. There's this, there's this built up like something is happening. That was very loud. Something is happening. It was actually at the right time. Jesus just closed from the roof. That's a terrible joke. He's not. No. Um, but there's this built up anticipation. There's this excitement. What's going to happen? And every year, we as Christians, we get to celebrate and be reminded of what the joy of Jesus truly is. That Jesus is the ultimate giver of joy. Jesus never promises that our life will be easy. In fact, if we read through Scriptures, we don't have to read very far that Jesus kind of warns us and says, if you become a Christian, life will probably be a little bit harder for you. But there's going to be a joy that you find. And so as we read through Luke's gospel, we read this story, the the, the Christmas story. In Luke chapter two, verses eight, and we'll just sort of read on from there. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. So we kind of need to remember, like this is kind of where it all sort of started. We we sort of, you know, we, we don't know much about what's happening here in this moment, but then here's this: an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of Lord the, of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, "Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in a town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah." The Lord, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his favour rests. 
When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Just think about the richness and the beauty of that scripture as we read it. Here's a bunch of dudes standing in a field, just watching their sheep. When an angel of the Lord appears to them and then says, hey, something special is coming. Something that is going to cause great joy for all people is here. So imagine what it would have been like in that moment to be there, to hear that from the angels, that anticipation. And then as we read on, we hear in that story that, you know, they go and they go and meet baby Jesus. And then it's kind of like this, it's the story of Christmas. But here's the really cool thing, that, that story that happened over 2,000 years ago, that's our story now. We as followers of Christ, we get to partake in the celebration and be reminded of what the true message of Christmas is. I have no idea what your family dynamics are like. I really don't. And I would have a guess and say that in a room this size and the people online, there would be such a broad stroke that we couldn't generalise things around Christmas time. But I can imagine for some people, Christmas is a pretty cruisy time. You're kind of like, yeah, it's good. It's all right. You kind of like, you just sort of coast, you're chillers. For some of you, it's a great time. But for some of you, this, this Christmas season, as Michael said, it might actually be the first year where there's a seat empty at the table. Where there's been the, the loss of a loved one in the last year or maybe there's, there's been enough tension in the family that you've just decided, hey, this year's not the year for us to celebrate Christmas. Maybe for you, Christmas this season, you're actually going, you know, am I going to be alone? Like, is there going to be anyone around? And there's these questions that begin to well up. And this is where I think happiness, I think happiness robs us of something far deeper and far more beautiful. Because I think that happiness, if we look at it, it's all just based on circumstances. It's all based on conditions. But when we look at what joy offers us, joy offers us unconditional joy. It offers us a relationship, to be in relationship with Christ. Now, as I said, it doesn't mean that life gets easy. It doesn't mean that as Christians, life is easy and perfect. But what it means is we actually find our identity in Christ. That this joy that we find, there's this wonderful quote by this um, Christian band called Ren Collective. And they say, um, being happy, happiness is smiling at the sunshine, but joy is dancing in the rain. I love that imagery because we're all going to face thunderstorms. We're all going to face rainy seasons in our life, but it's all about us going, hey, who's in control here? Who am I putting my faith in? Whereabouts am I seeking joy in? Where am I seeking joy from? Am I confusing happiness with joy? You see, my role... um, that I have here at church, I have the, the great joy um, of uh, journeying with people on their journey through like, you know, the dating years and the, even the pre-dating years when they were youth leaders and they'd hang out in the car park and you were like, come on, it's time to go to bed. It's 9.30, like off you go. From that to like, you know, the little sparkles flying and, and you get to watch this journey and sometimes those little sparks turn into little lovely engaged couples that, you know, decide that they're going to get married and it, it's so interesting to see that when you you look at people planning a wedding, the formula, the planning of a wedding, and I'm probably going to get in a lot of trouble for saying this because people are like, mine was a lot harder. But generally speaking, the formula is pretty similar. 
You need a venue, you need friends, you need a bridal party, you need clothes, you need food. I think that's it. I've probably missed a few things. But it's interesting. You see, sometimes I go to weddings and I get to see these weddings where there's so much focus on the day that it's like you're tense. And you kind of, you you rock up to the wedding and you're like, well, I know that if I stand in the wrong place or if I knock a chair and move it a couple of centimetres, I know that the day could potentially be ruined. And it's like you're walking on eggshells all day, your flowers out, like, you know, it's, it's just because there's so much focus on the day that this day has to be perfect. It can't rain. I need to get these photos done. I need to do this. This all needs to happen this way. I think a lot of us actually walk into the holiday season with that same posture. We're kind of going, this has to work perfectly. The food has to be right. It can't be a rubbery steak. Like, you know, we can't do that. The cricket pitch better be good. The bonbon jokes better be funny this year. There better be no tensions at the table. There better be this, there better be this. And it's to the point where we've put so much emphasis on the day itself that we've actually lost the greater message and the beauty of what's actually at play and what we're celebrating. You see, I've also gone to weddings where (laughs) it's just lovely. You go there and they've put in all the work they possibly can. And then on the day they're like, yep, we're here now. We get to marry each other. We get to do it in a relationship. Who cares? Who cares if I spill a bit of wine on my white dress? Who cares if I've got a hole in my pants and my suit buttons don't tie up because I've had a few too many puddings or like whatever it is. But it's beautiful because these people are going, I'm not, this isn't built on a day. It's not built on a circumstance. But what's actually about to unfold is this is a lifetime of relationship and something, this journey that we get to go on. And I wonder if at Christmas this year, we as Christians, we could have the same posture at our dinner table. We could have the same posture around our families where we're not going, this is built on a condition. This doesn't have to be perfect. We kind of go, hey, you know what? We've given our best shot and what we're gonna do is we're gonna sow into relationships. We're gonna be reminded of the joy that we have in the Lord because families might flare up, tensions might rise, all of these things might happen, but there's gonna be this joy that when people look at you, they go, there's something different. I can't put my finger on it, but why are you behaving like this? You should be wound up. You should be highly strung. And you're kind of like, that's okay. See, I think every Christmas, I think we forget about what joy can truly do for us in our circumstances. I think we truly forget that, you know, at Christmas time, we have a chance to either just seek happiness. And as I said, there's nothing wrong with happiness. It's my favourite emotion. Don't forget that. But if all we do is just settle for happiness then we're going to be robbed of a beautiful story. We're going to be robbed of the invitation that Jesus gives to each and every one of us because it said it is good news for all. The angel said to the shepherds, I'm going to cause joy for all people. The invitation for this joy, for this relationship, it is an open invitation. There is no strings attached. As I said, true joy is unconditional. It's a relationship. That true joy is found in Jesus. 
I truly believe, my hand over my heart, someone who's done 32 Christmases, I really believe that if we can actually hold on to joy, if we can walk into this Christmas season, whatever that looks like, with an understanding of having a joy in the Lord, things won't go well, they won't go perfect, but what we will do is we'll have this inner peace where we go, you know what, the work's done, I get to enjoy this relationship with God and I get to, get to enjoy the relationship with the people around me. And our world needs that kind of joy. Because there's a world out there that has been told that there is a lid on your happiness, that happiness is it. And if you can't find it, go find it somewhere else. Go do something else. Do more of, do this, do that. But we as Christians, we have the answer. And that's true joy. And that's up to us this Christmas, whether we want to share that joy with our family. Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If that stirred something within you or you would like prayer, you can head to church.nu forward slash prayer or connect with us through our Instagram or Facebook page. For more information about Christmas at New Life, head to church.nu forward slash Christmas. We pray you have a great week and a very Merry Christmas. Be blessed.